0: Jesus said, Whoever wants to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. How deep has that truth sunk into your heart? Have you made it your life's work to put it into practice? Following Jesus isn't a Sunday morning activity, it's about carrying the cross on which your very self is crucified. It's about total self-denial. It's about leaving the things of this world behind and following Jesus on his way to death. How deeply has that sunk in? Is your life shaped by believing those words of Jesus. It's hard, isn't it? It's hard. And the reason it's hard is because everything else in the world says the opposite and we want to believe it. We want to believe that being comfortable, being well off, being healthy, being happy, being self-indulgent, being materialistic, doing what I want is okay. But Jesus, who rose from the dead, ascended into heaven and is seated at God's right hand, where there are pleasures forevermore, said, whoever wants to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And he was on his way to Jerusalem to die. The call to deny yourself to follow Jesus is hard to understand, even harder to put into practice, and yet it's the only form of discipleship there is. It's the only authentic form of Christian living. And as we've travelled through Mark's Gospel this term, we've seen the disciples struggling to get their heads around this. When Jesus first told his disciples he must die, Peter took Jesus aside and rebuked him. Jesus took Peter, James and John up a mountain where he was transfigured before them and God's voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love, listen to him. But when Jesus told them again that he must die, James and John came and asked for seats at his right and left hand in his glory. See, Peter wanted to avoid Suffering. James and John wanted to fast forward to glory. And then there was the rich young man, wealthy, respected and religious. He asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, sell all your possessions and follow me. But he didn't follow, he went away feeling sad. Perhaps he knew Jesus was right, but he couldn't let go of everything he had accumulated. His heart was in this world. None of them knew how to deny themselves in order to follow Jesus. And to help us understand their dilemma, Mark used the story of a blind man who couldn't quite see. Just like he needed a miracle from Jesus to make him see clearly, so did the disciples and so do we unless the Holy Spirit had enabled us to see who Jesus really is and what it means to follow him, we too would remain spiritually blind. But part of the way the Spirit does teach us and enable us to see is through Mark's Gospel. Mark's shown all the ways the disciples got it wrong. Now in the final section before Jesus arrives in Jerusalem, he's going to show us a man who gets it right. Bartimaeus who is a blind beggar, with nothing to his name, without hope or help. And then along comes Jesus. Let's hear his story. Starts in chapter 10, verse 46. Jesus, the disciples, and the pilgrim crowd have now made it all the way from Galilee to Jericho, just 18 miles from Jerusalem. But those last 18 miles involve a steep and constant climb of three and a half thousand feet, and the route is through desert land. When you leave Jericho, you have gotta be ready for a long and hard day of walking. They're all geared up, ready to go. They head out through the gates, and at the side of the road is a beggar, and he's blind. Well, he's physically blind but not so blind spiritually. Have a look with me at verse 46 of chapter 10, page 1015. It says, Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Well, son of David, we haven't heard that title before. No one in the whole of Mark's gospel has called Jesus that. So what does it mean? What does Bartimaeus mean? Well, a few things. Son of David means that Jesus is descended from the great King David, which is true, he was. And it matters because God promised he would raise up a son of David to sit on the throne of his kingdom forever. And that's who this beggar believes Jesus of Nazareth to be. Son of David is another way of calling him the Christ, God's anointed king. He may be blind, but he knows who Jesus is. He knows he's the Messiah. And more than that, he knows he's merciful. Son of David, he shouts, have mercy on me. But here's the thing, he's, he's just a beggar, he's a nobody. How many struggling, destitute beggars have you and I just walked past in our lives? We've got places to be and so did the crowds. You can't stop the journey to Jerusalem as soon as you've started it. There's a long way to go, you've got to keep moving. And so the crowds rebuked him and told him to be quiet. In other words, we're on an important journey with Jesus and you're not part of it. Give up, keep begging, stay blind. That's what's going through their heads. But it seems like they were the blind ones because the beggar knew exactly who this Jesus is. And so he just shouts all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he wasn't wrong. Jesus stopped. He brought the entire pilgrimage to a standstill. He brought his final climactic journey to Jerusalem to a standstill for this one man. He's a beggar. He was blind. He was poor. He was a nobody. And he's got Jesus' full attention. Verse 49, Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet, he's calling you. And he threw his cloak aside, jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. And Jesus says to him, I'm at your service. Verse 51. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. He asks not what the blind man can do for his kingdom, but what the king can do for the blind man. Do you remember? For even the Son of Man came not to be served, But to serve. And what does the blind man say? He's standing there face to face with his Lord and King. But he can't see him. He can't see his smile. He can't see Jesus' compassionate eyes. He can't see the hands that will have nails driven through them for him. And so he says to Jesus, Rabbi, I want to see And Jesus says, go, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Now, do you see the immensity of Jesus's love? There's no one who is beneath him. He is not looking for the rich, the powerful, the highly qualified, the religious. No, he came for the poor, the blind, the outcast, the struggling. He loves the people we fail to love and loves them completely. In healing this man, he hasn't just healed his eyes. He's saved the whole person. When Jesus says, your faith has healed you, he's not only talking about his sight. If that's the only healing Bartimaeus had received, he he might've just walked off and got on with his day. Thinking, oh, my main problem's been sorted out. But instead, Mark tells us he followed Jesus. He's gone from sitting beside the road to following Jesus along the road. He was a beggar, now he's a disciple. He's been saved. And that's the crucial lesson for us this morning. Truly seeing Jesus for who he is, being saved, isn't just about right beliefs, isn't just about amazing spiritual experiences, it's about actually following Jesus. See Bartimaeus, he had right beliefs about Jesus, he called him the son of David. He had this amazing spiritual experience as he felt the power of Jesus heal his physical blindness. But also, his life was changed. We know he was saved because he started following Jesus on the road to the cross. And that's why Mark included this story here. It sums up everything we've been learning for the last few chapters. It tells us who Jesus is. It shows us what he's like and who his kingdom is for. It shows us where he's going. And it shows us that being saved means leaving your old life behind and following him. We get saved by putting our trust in Jesus and asking for mercy. But we can't live out our salvation unless we follow him. And so to help all this sink in, I want to ask everyone a question to think about. If you had to choose, who would you rather be? Would you rather be the rich young ruler or the blind beggar? Would you rather be that person who was born into a well-off family, got an education, inherited a lot of money and made a lot of money, who was respected in the business world, the world of government, in the church and in the community, who ate well, drank well, slept well, and had an amazing life to look forward to, and walked away from Jesus? Or would you rather be the blind man who at some point in his life lost his sight, in a world with no disability benefits, who had maybe lost his family and friends? who sat in the heat by the road, destitute, begging for money, having very little to eat or drink, nowhere comfortable to sleep, but who followed Jesus. Do you see how the kingdom of God works? It would be better to be the beggar, because with Jesus you have everything, and without him, really, you have nothing. With Jesus, you share in the coming glory, the coming kingdom, the coming renewal of the earth. You share in the love of the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. You share in Jesus' death, his resurrection, his forgiveness, his life, his love. Without him, you get what you can, and when you die, you leave it all behind. The rich man was really the poor man The beggar was really the rich man. Like Jesus said, many who are first will be last, and the last first. So let me ask you again, where does your heart lie? Got to ask myself the same question. Who would you rather be? I think for most of us, we'd rather be the poor man in theory, but we wish we could be the rich man. We feel the pull of the world. We are worried about what it costs to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. And to that, there's really only one solution. And that is just to look to Jesus. Make him him personally your motivation. See him stopping for the beggar. See him stopping for you. See him serving you. See him giving you his full attention. See him loving you and having mercy on you. See him going to his death for you. See him raised up into glory and reaching down to pull you up. See him promise you his love, his life, his forgiveness. And now ask yourself, if it cost me everything to follow him, would I still follow him? Is following him actually worth far more than whatever I can achieve by myself? Is there a better way to live than to die and rise with Jesus? Now, if you can see, if you have faith and trust in Jesus, you know the answer. You know the path you have to walk. So keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Don't look to the right or to the left. Don't lose sight of him, and he will lead you all the way home. And if there's someone here this morning who's like the rich man, who dares not leave their old life behind, or like that beggar, wishing your life was different, wishing bad things hadn't happened to you, wishing you could be someone else, will you also look to Jesus and ask yourself, can I trust him? Is today the day to jump to my feet, to come to Jesus, to ask for mercy and to follow him? Because there is no one like him and he will never let you down. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord Jesus, You turn the values of our world upside down. You teach us a whole new way to live. It's hard for us to understand and to put into practice, so please help us fix our eyes on you. Fill our hearts with love for who you are, what you've done. Give us the strength to plant our feet in your footsteps, to join with you in your suffering, and so be raised up with you into glory. And we pray this in your mighty and powerful name. Amen.